Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 71 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Chantel Glenville, author of the book, What Clients Really Want and the Stuff That Drives Them Crazy. Chantel has worked with some of the world's largest agencies and also managed agencies in her role at Vodafone. It wasn't until she made this switch to the client side that she realized just how out of touch many agencies are with the real needs of their clients. In our chat today, Chantel answers the question of what clients really do want by laying out the basics you need to get right, as well as how agencies can take their client relationship from good to great. If you've ever had a client fire you seemingly out of the blue, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Chantel Glenville, author of What Clients Really Want. Chantel, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. So you are the author of the book, What Clients Really Want. What happened that led to you writing this book? Well, my original background is in advertising agencies, and I worked at agency side for about seven years in client services. And then after that, I went client side. Um, and it's actually this mixed background that led to me writing the book, because I realized over the years that no matter what the size of the agency, no matter what the speciality, when breakdowns occurred in the client-agent relationship, it was always the same recurring themes that were causing those breakdowns. And it's so important that we don't let that happen as agencies because the sad truth is that breakdowns in client relationships cause agencies to lose work, uh, lose clients and get fired even when they're producing great work. Great work is just not enough to retain clients long-term there has to be a great relationship there too because there are so many other people offering the same services out there that without that, they're just going to go elsewhere. You wrote the book in 2016, but when did you first get the idea of like, all right, this is something that we need to address. I, I need to put this out there and, and sort of set the record straight. Uh, it was about uh, a year and a half to two years ago. Um, it went around my head for about six months before I ended up writing the book. And then it got to the stage where I felt like I was about to go insane. Um, <laughs> I actually wrote it down as with most creative pursuits, it kind of gets to the point where you need to do it. Um, and yeah, I just, I wanted to help people in any way I could, because I was fortunate to be in this position where I had experienced both sides of things. And I realized there was nothing out there on client relationships actually written by a client. Um, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because most people working agency side have never worked client side. So it's so important that that understanding is shared with people. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. If you look in the agency world, if you look at the material that's out there, you'll see agency owners, account managers, whoever talking about, all right, well, this is how we handle this situation with clients. This is what you need to make sure you're doing. But you never get that other side of it with a client saying, wait, wait, wait. This is what yeah. we actually care about. Like you, you guys can talk all you want about the best practices, this and that, but at the end of the day, they're not the client. No, exactly. What were you doing when you joined on the client side? Like, what type of role were you in? Um, I my first client side role was in Vodafone, um, which is I don't know if you have it in the states. It's a huge um, telecoms company uh, all over Europe, in Asia as well. And so I worked with a lot of agencies. I'm talking like 
six, seven different agencies um, across everything from TV to point of sale um, on all of their advertising campaigns. Going into it, coming from the agency side, did you think you knew what you were getting yourself into or, or were you kind of flying a little blind? Um, no, I think it was great getting into it from agency side, to be honest, because it meant I understood what the processes were that were going on agency side. Um, although it still didn't stop the frustrations that could come up at different points, even though you understand what's going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, like some of the difficulties, it wasn't, it was, no, it wasn't just related to my experience there. It was what I'd seen in the years before as well. And also all of my friends who are also clients or agency side too. Um, it's things such as um, costs not being discussed up front, you know, you getting to halfway through a project and then suddenly the agency turns around and they're like, oh, that's going to be an extra 5K. <laughs> um, sorry, what? why? And they're like, oh, you had two extra rounds of amends. You know, well, if I mean, that, if that was the case, this should have been discussed when that change order was put in because maybe if we knew that that was going to cost us that amount of money, we wouldn't have done it, you know? Um, and also clients can't manage their budgets if you don't discuss those things up front, um, depending on the size of the organization. But, you know, if it's a reasonable sized organization, most clients are given a budget and that's all you've got. You know, if, if it's suddenly a hundred pounds over or a hundred dollars over, where are you going to get that money from as a client? You know, it's not, it's not just as simple as like, oh, okay, well, it's only, it's only a small add on. So it doesn't matter that much. It does matter. It starts this whole other process off for the client, which will take up possibly half one of their days. You knew where you had kind of run into issues on the agency side, but so did you do anything to try to prepare for this and to try to avoid it um, while being a client? Um, yeah, but yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of coming at it from a different point of view because um, obviously – I'd experienced the difficulties and I'd, I'd caused some of the difficulties myself, client side, uh, agency side before, before I realized that those things mattered so much. Um, so I tried to be, as a client, more understanding of them when things were delayed um, or when agencies would disappear uh, instead of updating us on when things were going to go through, you know, if, if something was running late, that they actually wouldn't get in touch and be like, hey, it's going to be 30 minutes late that that you just disappear and then... You don't know when you're going to have your work for a bit. And the, the important thing about it is, you know, you can try to be as understanding as you want to be as a client, um, especially having been there before. But the pressures at play in a client organization are different to an agency organization. And there is a lot of pressure from a lot of different sides, client side, a lot of the time. And so actually as understanding as you may want to be, you can't be, you can't be like, oh, hey guys, actually, you know, it's fine. I get it. You know, your creative review didn't go how you wanted it to go. I know you need an extra day. Like I've got a presentation with stakeholders for an hour, you know? Um, so you want to help in that, with that in any way you can. Um, and I certainly tried to help the agency understand what my life was like as a client as much as possible so that they knew who was having to get approval on what and what the stages of campaign development were for me so that they could better fact that, factor that into their timings and better understood what was going on. But um, the agencies really need to get involved with the client to get that full understanding. They need to come into the office. They need to really understand them. And that's how you form a partnership together and actually work through these things so it doesn't feel like 
oh, well, you're not delivering what I need and I'm not delivering what you need. It needs to be actually brought together as one. Right. And because not every agency can expect their clients to be like you, where they've been through it on both sides of the equation. They know how to be more proactive. They know how to do these things to really bring the agency in. You, you can't count on that. So with that being said, then for the agency owners who don't have that experience, who aren't working with as experienced clients as you may have been, what is it that clients really want? Obviously, it's a broad question, but I think if we get started on this topic, there's a lot we can uh, dive into from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, needless to say, clients want great work. I'm going to take that one as a given. Um, wouldn't have hired you if they didn't want a great work. But there are also two really important other things that they want. They want you to make their lives easier and they want you to not make their lives harder. Those are the two overarching elements to creating great client relationships. And the second part of that, not making clients' lives harder, is unfortunately really frequently overlooked because we go into these client agency relationships and we kind of assume that everything's fine, that we're starting from a base level. Um, you know, may not be great, but, you know, it's, it's all happy and all right. But actually what we don't realize a lot of the time is that we're not starting from a base level of everything fine, being fine. If you think of it on a, say, scale of like 0 to 10, where 10 is great client relationships, actually a lot of agencies are at minus 2 or minus 3 in their client agency relationships because they've been performing these behaviors, small behaviors over time that have damaged the relationship. And without fixing that first, without stopping doing stuff that drives clients crazy first, you're never going to be able to get to 10. It's just got to get back to the baseline first of everything being okay and then you can focus on making it great but you've got to make it good first and so what are some of those other things that, that need to be good obviously it's almost table stakes that the work needs to be up to standard it need you need to provide a good end result but along the way that's where you always find those issues it's with the deliveries, with cost overruns, with any of these other issues, that that's where things are wrong. So like, what does a baseline look like where you can say an agency is doing a good job of managing the client relationship? Well, the main thing about getting to that point zero uh, is having an understanding of the client's world, as I touched on earlier, knowing what their daily working lives are like, what their internal structures are like, what their pressures at play are. I mean, there are, there are loads of small behaviors that could be that might cause harm to the client relationship, like lack of attention to detail, coming up with costs later in the process, things like that. But the driving force of that is a lack of understanding of what those behaviors will have as an impact on the client, how detrimental they can be. Uh, I mean, literally, the second I started working client side, there were so many things. I was like, oh, that's why that matters so much. And I never knew that because I hadn't worked client side and no one ever told me. They never said, oh, this is why this matters to a client. Even things, you know, like I mentioned attention to detail. You know, in agencies, people are told all the time, it's so important, it's so important, it's so important. No one ever turns around and says why. No one ever actually goes into the effect that that is going to have on the client, how that's going to affect their day, which is why, say, the main things taking it to zero is, you know, you can go through each of the behaviors one by one if you want, but the overarching thing that's going to do that is going in and understanding their internal structures, understanding their lives, getting to know their business so that you can preempt all of the things that might otherwise make their lives harder. How does an agency do that? 
Um, well, I mean, it, it depends on the client. It depends on the agency staff time. I would always highly recommend going in and shadowing your client for a week if you can. If they're going to be a long-term retained business. Uh, obviously, if it's if it's project-based or you know if it's if you're a really small agency, maybe that's not feasible. But you at least then need to put a process in place for your agency to get all of that information off a client up front and make sure maybe you do it for a Skype calls if you can't physically get to their office. But you actually ask them their quest- ask them questions about what happens for them anytime they're getting a campaign out. What is going on in their wider business? What their business objectives are? What their financial objectives are? All of that information so that you can better plan that into how you will manage the process going through. Well, I want to dive in a little bit to some of the specifics. Um, and you had mentioned about the, the value of, of paying attention to detail and how sometimes the little things really matter a lot. What are some of those little things that were commonly missed that had big impacts that on the agency side you don't realize are that big of a deal? Yeah, so in, uh, attention to detail is definitely the one that I would say is the biggest one that I've seen break down relationships over the years. I've seen almost an entire client agency relationship disintegrate just because of that one thing, which might sound like a stretch, but it's, it has a huge impact on clients' lives. If there is a consistent lack of attention to detail, what you're doing every time you send work through is the client has to look at it, they spot the errors, they have to send it back, it has to go back again, they have to check more errors. You cause these extra rounds of amends and essentially end up wasting the client's time, which over time tends to annoy them um you're making their lives harder you're stealing time from them that they could be using to do other things um another big one is not factoring in the different working hours of clients to agencies um a lot of the time uh clients tend to leave the office bang on the end of the day they don't usually tend to stay late at the office. A lot of the time they'll get in early. Actually, there's quite a culture of getting in at like 7 a.m. and things, but leaving as soon as the working day is over. Whereas agency side, in my experience at least, it's usually the flip side of that. It's usually getting in at like 9 o'clock and then just maybe never leaving. Um, <laughs> and that can cause a disconnect and make things difficult in the client-agency relationship if there's not a realization of that because then you have agencies sending through work at 6.37 in the evening expecting the client to be there and review it and getting annoyed when the client doesn't say anything till the next morning. Well, you know, they weren't working. They've left the office by then. And it, it's, it's simple, small things like that where you can you just become aware of them, you can then factor them into how you manage the situations. But it's just that it's a different way of doing things. It's not that they're working any less or they're not working as hard. They're just, things are shifted slightly. And that's fine as long as you know how to work around it. It does seem like everything that you're talking about at this point comes back to just not understanding the way clients operate and just sort of forcing them to follow your way of doing business and and follow the way things work for you. And that if you're running behind or if something didn't go the way expected, the client has to deal with that, often with no notice, often with whatever. And, And that is a huge problem. But then beyond that, there's also some what seems like issues of communication. And earlier you had mentioned the example of change orders, of things changing that cost more money that wasn't communicated up front. How do you typically recommend that agencies can preempt this? Is it just 
every time something comes up, they say, oh, if we do this, it's going to cost this. Or if we don't do this, it will save this. Like, it seems like to go too far to the other end of, of saying what everything costs can be almost awkward. So how do you find that balance of being transparent without going overboard? Yeah, um, no, I, I totally understand what you mean about if you uh, every time there's a request to mentioning money, it's not going to sound good. Um, but the flip side of that is if you get to the end of every job and there's an additional cost at the end of it, it makes it seem to the client like all you're trying to do is get money out of them. That you've always been looking at the job and being like, oh, where can we squeeze a little bit extra money out of this? Um, so I, I think what can really help with that is obviously you'll agree to scope of work with the client or, and this actually happens quite a lot, the scope of work in terms of number of rounds of amends is hidden in the retainer contract rather than actually mentioned on each project detailing, um, you know, where it says whatever project you work on, there will be three rounds of amends, but no one's looked at that document for like the last two years. So one, restating that at the start of every job, but also then as you're going through the job being like, okay, so this is round number one then, okay, right? We're all clear, round number one. You're not mentioning any money because that's already included. And each time there's a request, just at least noting down so the client knows where they are on the progress, being like, okay, so we're on two, you've got one more to go, anything else will be outside of scope. So just to make sure you're aware to go and find everyone else who may possibly want to have an input on this now because... We're almost at the end of it. You know, just having those conversations, making sure, you know, it takes a little more time to do it, making sure you're putting the effort in to discuss all of that up front. Yeah, it just seems like it's about being more deliberate. Uh, you can't really fly by the seat of your pants because you need to know your own processes. You need to know what the rules are, what's in scope, what's not. If you want to be transparent about it, you can't just make things up as you go and clients don't want you to. And that is one of the things that sours so many relationships is when clients think you are doing that. By having clear processes on the agency side, you're then able to communicate them in a less awkward way than I had originally suggested. I like the way what you said is just make it clear what's going on. You don't need to bring up money at every option. But when things are, are close to the edge of what's in scope, let them know. Don't immediately say, well, this is going to cost you X. This is going to cost you Y. But just bring it to their attention. Like, hey, 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 we talked about this. This is where things are at. If you want to keep going with this, that's fine. But we'll have to talk about different terms. I think that's a really delicate while direct way of putting it. <laughs> yep. You had also mentioned it in your book something called the third-party trap. Can you speak to that? Um, yeah. So this one comes up quite a lot where say agencies are working on projects where they're not the one actually creating the work. So uh, for example, the media agency have done a digital buy. And so actually it's the digital media provider who is actually creating the adverts for that as part of the package from the media agency. And the agency is kind of just sat in between because the client wants them involved because as far as the client's concerned, the agency is the brand guardian, right? So you know, they want them to be looking at it, making sure all the work's up to scratch, that it's adhering to brand guidelines. Um, but unfortunately, because the agency isn't actually creating the work, a lot of the time, and it's, it's really easy to do, to feel like as an agency, it's not really your problem because it's not, it's not your creative work in the first place. And sometimes that stuff comes back and it really doesn't look very nice anyway. And there's, there's only so much you can do within the confines of what the client has already agreed with this third company that you have nothing to do with. And so what you see happen is these agencies sitting in the middle and they just pass it. 
between the third party and the client. They just shoot it in between. But, I mean, literally without even opening up the files to check for typos, to check for anything like that, they're just pushing it through. And you should never at any point be involved in anything unless you are adding value. If you are not adding value in that loop, just step out of it. Say you as an agency do not want to be involved in it. Either you need to be checking those files and making sure the work is good enough and that there aren't any errors, or you need to not be involved because by just sitting in the middle and shuffling it back and forth, one, you're delaying things for no benefit, one, and two, you will get the negative effects of those bad behaviors that the third party is doing because the client, what they're going to see is an email from you with work that's not correct. So they're still going to be thinking it's you who had the lack of attention to detail because, well, you kind of did because it touched your hands. You did nothing about it. You didn't save them time and deal with the third party and make sure it was right first. You just passed it on through. Right. And I think I think there's two sides. There's one is the lack of attention to detail, which you had mentioned earlier. It's that this should have been caught. This is your job. And, and either it looks bad on you if the client thinks you should be taking a more active role or and they're just blaming the third party's bad work on you it looks bad but if you say that well this isn't us this isn't us and they're gonna the client is gonna think well then what are you doing here what are we paying you for why are you even involved in this and it's, it's sort of a no-win situation unless you do what you said and you only take part in these types of relationships if you're adding value because otherwise there's no real possible way for you to come out ahead or the client. Yeah, and you should be adding value because one of the things once you get to this base level to then take things to being great in the client relationship is that you should know the client's brand better than they know their brand as an agency. So you should be able to add value in the middle there because you should be looking at it and being like, uh, yeah, okay, um, that's not really how we use the logo. Um, or it is you know you do have an important role to play there as an agency you you and your designers are going to be much better at spotting the things which do or don't adhere to the brand guidelines than the client team might be so Chantel, say that the agencies have this stuff down or at least they hear your message and they know what they need to work on to improve to get back to that zero mark you've been talking about once they're there though what do they need to do to take the client relationship from good to great yeah, so the second part of things, once you've got to the base level, is working on the positive relationship building behaviors. So that's the things like knowing a client's brand better than they know itself, or managing the account so that at any point in time, clients know where they are on everything. Not just managing when things aren't quite going to plan, but proactively managing the client so that you know at any point in time, they could be able to say, okay, yeah, I know where that project is, rather than having to chase you. Or even whenever you're presenting work, taking into consideration the entire of a client's business rather than what you've just been asked to work on your remit. Actually thinking about everything that's important for them. So combined, it's, it's all of the things that are going to make clients' lives easier because you're actively thinking about them and thinking about the things that you can do that will help make their day-to-day -day lives flow a bit better in terms of their work. I like how you, you talked about being proactive about it because that seems like a lot of this is. is The first part of, about getting to good seems like it really comes down to not making things harder. Obviously, you want to make things easier, but it really just comes down to avoiding things that ruin their day, that make them go through more work, that gets them in trouble, that does all this. But it seems like this next stage is about going above that and saying like, all right, 
with these things in mind, how can I make things even better for you above and beyond what you would expect? Yeah, that's absolutely it. And it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be things that would take you more time as an agency. Some of these things actually save you time. Um, so I mentioned, you know, making sure your clients always know where any work is that actually in the long run is going to save you time because it's going to stop clients from chasing you. If they already know that information, they're not going to be hounding you um, during the day being like, oh, wait, so when's this happening? When's this happening? You're actually free to get on with your job as well then. How do you recommend that agencies keep clients in the loop on those types of things? On those types of things, I think a great technique that can be used is just waking your clients up and putting them to bed. So when you go in each day, just shooting them off in a quick email being like, hey, this is what we've got going on today. These are the urgent bits. And, you know, you can you can do a little overview of the week if you know it's going to be a busy one as well. It depends how active work is on the client at that time. But telling them what, what's going to happen, when they can expect stuff, and then at the end of the day, letting them know where they are. Just literally as simple as that. And it only takes 10 minutes, but it just it saves all those questions that might otherwise come up throughout the day. Right. That's what I was going to say is that it really people might say like, well, I don't have time for that. I'm already so busy. I have so much I have to do. But the thing is, if, if you can block out the time at the beginning and end of the day to get your clients, as you say, wake them up and put them to bed. If you can do that, it's going to save those interruptions in the middle of the day that take way more time because not only is it the amount of time it takes you to figure out what they're asking about, find the answer, get back to them. But that distracts you from whatever task you're actually working on the time. And it takes a lot longer to get back in the mental mindset and start picking things back up. So if you can just block out the time at the beginning and end, it avoids that entirely. Yeah, exactly. I'm a huge believer in managing your own time and any little things that come up, they do distract you. And it takes, it takes time and effort to get back into tasks. So the more you can proactively do that for yourself and be like, this is when I do this thing, this is when I do that, the better. I'm going to stop Chantel right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easy for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff, H-U-B. S-T-A-F-F dot com. All right, let's get back to Chantel. I'm assuming you recommend that agencies have sort of a general procedure of how they handle these things. Because so many times when, when I talk to agency owners, if you ask them how they handle client relations, if you ask them how they update clients, how they, they do their statement of works, they do their proposals, they do any aspect of the, the process, they can give you an answer but it's not always the same every single time. And it seems like to do these things well, you need to kind of standardize your approach to almost every aspect of the business. Does that, does that, is that a fair assumption to make? Yes. Um, and I think it will make things a lot 
easier for whoever is managing your client relationships. Because also you have to bear in mind, if you're the agency owner, all of your staff might not know all of these things as well. Um, maybe you've got this lockdown and you know how to manage those processes really well, but do all, do all of your staff members know how to manage those processes really well? So if you have kind of a standard working order as to how you do these things, it will help make it quicker to get people up to speed as to what they should be doing um, and help prevent things being forgotten or missed off. So uh, I touched on before always thinking about other elements of the client's business. If you have that part of your process, that's a reminder for people because it's so easy for something like that, which is a nice add-on in people's minds, to just be put to the wayside when you've got a load of ideas you need to present to the client anyway and are busy on things that you forget that actually, you know, you could have spent two minutes thinking about, oh, but how could our web design work in the client's email comms just so they can see we understand that they have other parts of their business, you know? Um, things like that, it just makes sure everyone stays on track if you have a process in place for it. Right, and it's also just the easiest things, or what seem like the easiest things, like the emailing at the beginning and the end of the day. Most people don't have a set time or a set part of the day where they handle email. It just sort of, when it comes in, that's when they're going to get to it. That's one way to operate, but if you just kind of are flying by the seat of your pants like that, you're not really building the systems that let you improve and build these types of relationships. Because like you were saying, while one person in the agency, whether it's the owner, whether it's whoever, may intuitively on some level know how to do these things until it's out of their heads and on the paper and in the training into whatever else, it's not going to be pervasive throughout the agency and actually get you the results you really need. Yeah, exactly. Today, what do you do? Do you work with agencies to help them improve these types of things, or what is your role today? Um, I have a marketing consultancy today, but I, uh, a number of years ago, decided to readdress my work-life balance somewhat. So, um, as I spent a few too many years working a few too many hours, so I try not to take on too many marketing clients um, because I... Honestly, I don't want to be that busy most of the time um, and work on passive income generating streams instead a lot of the time. But yeah, I still I work with clients and it's it's interesting working with clients now, having spent so much time um, working on client relationships and who can improve them um, that actually it makes it really fun. <laughs> right. So what is your relationship like with clients? Because I think that's one thing where it's so many agency owners almost assume there's always going to be this sort of adversarial relationship between agency and client and that they don't understand all of the benefits of applying these things. So like when you work with clients right now, what is that typically like? My aim with working with any clients now is to be their partner. Rather, I don't want to be their supplier. If they're interested in someone just being their supplier, I'm not interested in the working relationship, to be honest, because that's, that's not how it should be. They're coming to a consultant or an agency because they need your expertise. That's the reason they've approached you in the first place. And so it should be a partnership on everything you're working on. And that only happens when you're open and honest with each other and you actually try to understand each other's businesses and you actually try to understand what's going on. And then it can actually be a really enjoyable, lovely relationship um, where it's not us against them in any sort of way. You're just, you're like an extension of their team, essentially. 
And when you do that, when you get to that point, it seems like this is something that so many agencies, especially on maybe less on the ad agency side, which I don't have as much experience with, but definitely on the digital marketing side, the digital agencies, you see so many times that they're seen as just another vendor. When a client comes to them and asks for their proposal, it's because they want to price shop it around. It's because they're looking at all of these what they see as commodities. And when you can move the dynamic like this so that you really can become a partner, those concerns just aren't as important because the client likes working with you. They don't see it as this adversarial relationship and that changes the, the dynamic entirely. Yeah, it stops you being easily replaceable because you are adding additional value for them. It's It also means you can charge higher fees too because it's not just about, okay, well, it costs X for a website. It's about all the other benefits that you're giving them in that relationship too. So it's more about it's about value proposition, essentially, which is kind of funny that we forget about that as marketers and in agencies a lot of the time, given, you know, that's kind of what we do for clients. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's also true because a lot of guests I've had talk on the show, one of the main ways they talk about raising your fees is by choosing a niche, by really narrowing in your positioning, becoming an expert. And I, I fully support that and agree with that. But one side that we don't hear as much about is, if you can just operate better, more not necessarily more efficiently, but on, on a better level of more understanding, of more care for the clients, that has significant value because the average agency that's working with a client doesn't do this. So if you can just be easier to work with, provide more value, don't act like the middleman, don't act like the vendor. If you can do these things, they're going to be willing to pay a premium almost just for that. Yeah, absolutely. And so for the agency owners that we've convinced that they're on board now. They say like, all right, I'm ready to take this seriously. What can they do to get started? What is like a first step they can take to really uh, start fixing this behavior? Um, it depends where you're at in your agency, to be honest. Um, Cause it could be that it's just you and a small team and you're personally struggling with it or that you are an agency owner and have training you need to provide. So there are kind of two different ways you could approach it. Um, if you're at the stage where, you know, there is training being provided in your agency for other members of staff managing these relationships or where you want to set training up, I'd say the most important thing to do is look at that training and what you're developing or have already developed and just ask yourself whether it actually explains the why of the behaviors being discussed, why they matter, whether it's just telling people what they should be doing or if it's explaining what the knock-on effect of not doing those behaviors or what the knock-on effect of performing those behaviors will be, you know, why that stuff matters. And then also whether you are going into the detail to provide people with the tools to actually get better at those elements. You know, it's no good telling someone they should be better at something or they should be doing something like that if they don't know how to fix that. You know, people who are being sloppy about attention to detail, a lot of the time, it might, it might not be just because they don't care. Maybe they don't understand why it's important. But if you've then done that and they're still doing it, maybe it's just because they don't know how to get better at it, you know? So actually making sure you've provided the tools to improve those elements too is really important. And then um, if it's for, you know, if you've got a smaller team, if it's just you struggling with this, I'd say the first and most important thing to do is take an honest look at where you are in your client relationships now. 
and assess if everything is okay or if you've been assuming that you're a base level of everything being okay and so you've been trying to do bits to make it great but you actually you haven't got to the base level yet and have been going a little awry occasionally and if they have it's fine um look over your last project go through every single stage that happened in that last project for that client and ask yourself at each stage did you do anything that made the client's life harder if there was a point where you remember them being a little bit antsy with you especially look at that point and, and go through what the behaviors were at that time was it because there wasn't clear enough communication with the client was work delivered late what was it that went on that drove that so you can identify the specific behaviors that have been being performed that you can improve on next time i think that's amazing advice and tell me if i'm off base with this but i feel like for agencies if they're right now if they're not sure where they stand with their client that's probably not a good sign. Like, like I think if you're doing a great job, you should, you know it. But if you have to think about like, ah, what does this client think of me? And you immediately don't know that they love you or that things are great. Then it's probably something you need to look into more. Yes. I'd entirely agree with that. Yeah. Cause it just seems like so many times we default to just not paying attention to this, thinking things are fine, thinking things are okay. And then next thing you know, the client is going in a different direction and working with another agency and there are ways to be more alert to this, to not be caught off guard and to actually prevent this from happening. And you've shared a ton of those with us today, Chantel. And so before we wrap up, I like to ask all of my guests a few just rapid fire questions. I'll go through them quickly, but your answers don't need to be short. And so the first one is just, what do you currently spend too much time doing? Um, a lot of things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I love learning about things it's kind of i just like learning about anything and everything which is great and interesting and fun for my life but it's not necessarily the most useful thing in terms of developing a business as it can mean that instead of um you know there are instances where i could outsource something uh, or just pay someone else to do it uh but instead i get excited about learning about it so i go off and do it myself and that is not the most efficient and effective way to do things a lot of the time so i need to get stricter with myself about that about how much i'm allowed to learn in any month i think what do you not <laughs> spend enough time doing um well, I mentioned before that I tried to re-address my work-life balance a little bit a number of years ago. But uh, yeah, with the book coming out last year, and I actually I wrote a second book in that time too, which also came out last year. It's been a busy couple of years getting those two finished and launched. So I want to get back to spending a bit more time on myself, actually. With those two books out of the way, what are your goals? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next quarter? Uh, so, in my marketing consultancy, I have a number of training courses. One is on how to create great client relationships for agencies, and the others are for small businesses on, you know, if they want to train their staff on marketing rather than having to hire a consultant each time. And what I'd like to focus on for the next quarter, probably the next year, to be honest, because it's going to take a bit of time, is turning those into online courses so that they don't necessarily require my physical presence for people to learn from them and also so that they can help more people and reach more people. And then obviously you're going to do a lot to make sure you get there. But right now, if you were going to identify a potential obstacle that could stop you, what would that obstacle be? 
I just have a lot of niggling tasks to get out the way. (laughs) They've been been sat there for a while and with the busyness of the last year or so with the books, um, I kind of, I need a month or so to clear the decks of things. I'm just about to finish a big client project. So as soon as that's wrapped up, I'm going to take a little break from some client work, get everything in a good position and then start developing the courses. Nice. Well, Chantelle, you shared so much with us today. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk. Despite the issues on my end with my microphone going crazy, we made it through it. So thanks for bearing with me. Thanks for doing this. And before I say goodbye, if listeners want to hear more from you and want to learn more about how they can improve their relationships with clients, what is the best place for them to go? What should they do next? Well, you can find my book on Amazon if you just type in what clients really want. I also run a website called masteringaccountmanagement.com, which provides advice and information for anyone in client services um, on how to create great client relationships, but also on anything that will help improve their jobs from improving presentation skills to time management, things like that, that a lot of the time people end up having to spend years to learn. And so instead, just sharing that information so people don't have to wait to learn it through experience. Awesome. And I'll make sure to get all of that linked up in the show notes. If you're interested in any of this, please check out those resources. Chantel, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a lot of fun chatting. Thank you very much, Andy. It's so easy for us to get stuck in an echo chamber where even if we're doing what we can to build a better agency, we don't actually stop to think about things from the client's point of view, and hearing from Chantel gave a great perspective for us to keep in mind. She shared a ton of actionable advice on specific practices you need to stop and start doing, but ultimately it all comes down to truly understanding your client, their needs, and their business. Obviously, clients want great work, and so many of us just focus exclusively on that side of the equation, but ultimately what clients really want is for you to make their lives easier and not make their life harder. Most agencies miss that, so if you can get that part of it down and go to the next step of knowing the client, their needs, and their business better than they do, then you're going to be able to build lasting and profitable relationships. If you're looking for some more information on this topic, check out episode 27 with Carl Sakis, who shares the power of managing client expectations, and episode 52 with Marcus Sheridan on the number one reason agencies fail with clients. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review telling me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners, and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors, maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.